Hey, I want to wish you a happy Memorial Day. We are walking together through life one day at a time and each day looking for one great thought that can keep us rooted together with God and uh, nurture us and help us to live well. And today is a free day for lots of folks. And since it's Memorial Day, I thought that we could talk a little bit about remembering. But the phrase isn't just to remember. It's interesting, as a nation, we have a lot of problems figuring out what should we remember, lots of debates right now about um, what statues ought to be up, what people should we name schools after. That's not a new thing in our history. Memorial Day actually started back in, um, right after the Civil War. And obviously there had been a war at that point. And so who should be remembered? Who were the heroes? Who were the traitors? Uh, people in the South had one point of view. People in the North had a point of view. African-Americans, many of whom had actually given their lives to uh, help victory and to win freedom, uh, had a point of view that was rarely seen by anybody else. So this whole business of who's going to remember, who's going to decide uh, what will be remembered is a real important one. And very often it goes to people who are in power. Winston Churchill, after the Second World War, 1948, had begun long, long multi-volume work on the history of the English-speaking peoples. And uh, he said to Parliament in Great Britain, uh, the past is best left by all parties to history, and I intend to write the history. And everybody uh, wants to be the one to decide to write the history because then you're kind of in control because the past has a huge impact on our present and our future. William Faulkner, great Southern novelist, famously wrote, the past is not even past. Uh, it lives with us. It colors us right now. So what I want to talk about for these few moments is um, a phrase about remembering and then invite you to do it today on Memorial Day. And it's not just to remember, because if we remember the wrong things in the wrong way, it can be quite damaging. And if we fail to remember, that can be damaging. Uh, you know, we get to choose what we remember. But if we uh, choose only those things that will make us feel good, if we look at life through rose-colored glasses, another quite famous expression, those who forget the past are condemned to repeat it. And all you have to do is to visit uh, one of the concentration camps that have been, have been left uh, as a testimony to the power of human evil to see those words, never forget, never forget. So forgetting and remembering is not simply about something that we do in order to make ourselves feel good. So the phrase for today on this Memorial Day is remember redemptively. Remember redemptively. It is ironic. I was looking at my old hometown, Rockford, the Rockford Register Star newspaper, and a writer there wrote that according to a Gallup poll, only 70, uh, only 28% of people remember what Memorial Day is about. 72% cannot even remember what this day of remembering is to be. So we have a memory problem. And uh, today is our chance to remember redemptively. That is, remember in a way so that we can learn from what is wrong and what is evil. So that we can let go of that which would hold us back or make us uh, lesser human beings. And so that we can remember with uh, gratitude and with inspiration. 
So I thought I would take a few words from one of the great passages in the Bible that talks about remembering in several different places, and it's Psalm 103. If you're a Bible person, you might remember this one. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And then uh, forget not his benefits. Don't forget his benefits. We have a way of forgetting benefits. Now, what is a benefit? Uh, Robert Roberts, a Christian philosopher, writes about how gratitude isn't just something that we try to manufacture. Gratitude actually is a byproduct of a certain orientation, a certain way of seeing what's going on. It happens when uh, three dynamics come into play. For gratitude to emerge naturally, there has to be a benefit and a benefactor and a beneficiary. Bene is the old Latin word for good. And the psalmist says, remember his benefits. God is the benefactor. One of the difficulties, if you're an atheist, is uh, you might be joyful, but it's hard to be grateful for life because there's no one to be grateful to. But then there has to be a beneficiary, someone to whom the good comes, and that's me or that's you. Now, you'll notice in Psalm 103, it does not say, remember all your entitlements or remember all of your trophies. Or remember all of those tremendous things that you have earned through your tremendous IQ and giftedness and willpower. No, no, no. It's benefits. And there's an odd dynamic that is at work that often runs at cross purposes to our very therapeutic self-esteem oriented culture. The more I hear from somebody, you're terrific, you deserve this, you're entitled to that. The more I think of what comes into my life as that which I have earned, that to which I am entitled, and the less gratitude I experience. Part of what gratitude requires is a sense that there is a benefit. So it's a good thing. I recognize it a good thing. And it's coming from a benefactor, somebody who is being gratuitously good and I did not merit this. This breath, I didn't earn that. This beat of my heart. The people in my life whom I love. That tree, that sunrise, that ocean, that mountain, this house, these clothes, so easy for us to just assume, to habituate. Now, every second in my life is filled with benefits from God. All my and, and, and real bright people have said, don't forget that. Remember that because it will enrich and enhance your life. And to cultivate uh, a memory with the capacity to celebrate and enjoy uh, actually multiplies goodness inside me. Forget not his benefits. And then the passage goes on to say that memory has a role to play in the life of God. God remembers that we are dust. He remembers that we are mortal. He remembers that we are fragile. He remembers that we often get it wrong. And therefore, as far as the East is from the West, he removes our transgressions from us. So, so remember today that God remembers that you're dust. And if you're tempted to wallow in guilt or regret or shame or self-recrimination, let it go. I've been reading a book on sleep by a man named Walker, Why We Sleep. And there's a fascinating process. I've got to try to explain this. That goes on when you dream. It's part of why we dream. Um, when you dream, when you're in that REM state, rapid eye movement and dreams come, it turns out that's the one point in your time, uh, that's the one point in your day, in your life, when the brain 
is not subject to uh, noradrenaline. It's the brain's version of adrenaline that will often make us feel panicky or anxious or so on. And part of what apparently is going on is during that time, we can dream about those moments that are really hard or quite traumatic, but it's like there's a chemical wash so that I'm able to remember the content but forget the emotional charge that went with us, went with it. And that's part of why over time, you're able to remember things that were quite difficult or even traumatic, but they no longer evoke the same emotions. God has created you so that when you are sleeping and dreaming, you are healing. Your brain is giving you therapy. And th that's kind of a picture, I think, of what we're invited to with God, our healer, our great therapist. He remembers that we are dust. And so that doesn't mean now that I forget the wrong things that I have done. Actually, it's often a very good thing to remember them and to learn from them, never forget. But they get healed and the memory of it loses its condemnation because God remembers that we are dust. And then it says uh, that human beings are like the grass, it flourishes for a moment, but then its place remembers it no more when it's gone. Your place will not remember you. Your house will not remember you. Your car will not remember you. Your salary will not remember you. Your 401k will not remember you. So don't you live your life for them. They have short memories. But God's love lasts from generation to generation, it says. God remembers us. And so here's the last remembering. Uh, it says uh, to us, that God loves those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. And no, that's not a burden. His precepts are love God with all your heart. Love your neighbor as yourself. Rejoice in the Lord. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let the peace of Christ reign all through the day. I can do that. From one moment to the next, when I'm with a person, when I'm there all by myself, when I'm doing a task, when I'm playing, uh, I can remember God is with me. And to do what God wants, to try to please God, to enjoy his work and to praise him and to add value to the lives of other people and to learn and grow. Uh, that's my opportunity every day. So remember today, but remember redemptively. Remember intentionally. Remember all the benefits that God has given you. Remember what God remembers. You're just dust. You're going to mess up a lot. God's forgiveness and grace are there for you. Your place isn't going to remember you, so don't obsess over that. Remember to obey, remember to serve, remember to love, remember to give. Remember to tune in tomorrow, and I'll see you then.